OCO and greetings, I'm Jay Winter Nightwolf, the originator and host of Nightwolf Productions Podcast. Hopefully things are going well for you today because I've got a very, very special guest too, a mother and daughter that we're going to be talking to for the next hour. Don't go away. Great and eternal mystery of life, creator of all things, I give thanks for the beauty you put in every single one of your creations. I am grateful that you did not fail in making every stone, plant, creature, and human being a perfect and whole part of the sacred hoop. I am grateful that you have allowed me to see the strength and beauty of all my relations. My humble request is that all of the children of the earth will learn to see the same perfection in themselves. May none of your human children doubt or question your wisdom, grace, and sense of wholeness in giving all of creation a right to be a living extension of your perfect love. Welcome back to the most Dangerous podcast anywhere. The American Indian Indigenous People's Truce. Justice for all. My guest today is Eugenia Kamas, and she is Shoshone Paiute. She grew up on the Duck Valley Indian Reservation in Aoi, Nevada, where she and her two brothers were raised by their paternal grandmother. Eugenia was a previously a education assistant at Jefferson County School District in Madras, Oregon, and she is attending Central Oregon Community College. Eugenia has six children and five grandchildren. On June 20, 2020, Eugenia found herself on the right side of history when she took her 11-year-old daughter, Tessa, to the Black Lives Matter rally in Pineville, Oregon. After a short break, we will talk to Eugenia about what occurred when a Confederate flag supporter and an anti-BLM Black Lives Matter protester confronted her at that event. And she'll tell us 
what her 11-year-old daughter experienced seeing that flag and the many guns being waved in opposition of the Black Lives Matter movement. Don't go away, I'll be right back. Welcome back to Reality Native Radio Podcast edition of this incident that happened, let me see, what is it, Pineville, Oregon. Eugenia, before we talk about that day, let's fill in on some of your back history. You grew up on the Duck Valley Indian Reservation with your grandmother after your mother passed away, and you consider your grandmother one of the strongest women you've known. Tell us why. My grandmother who raised me was blind. We lived and we lived about 10 to 15 15 miles away from town and we would walk to the tribal office for other matters for her to handle and sometimes we would get a ride within that time frame you know that distance. Sometimes we would get a ride. Sometimes we wouldn't we'd have to walk all the way into town and she never complained, and she used to have these little high heel shoes that I consider high heel because I wouldn't wear them walking around. But she <laughs> walked with those shoes, and she would never complain that she, you know, that she had an aching foot after we got home. Um, and the other thing is that the one, one thing she took on not only myself and my brothers, but she always took on all the other grandchildren, and we w- we would be left with her. But she carried on as if she had no disability. Mm-hmm. We would go to school, we'd come home, and we'd have meals prepared already, and she'd have laundry done. We lived like in a two, two-room two home at that time with outdoor plumbing. I mean, we didn't have plumbing, so we had to go to the outhouse. We mm-hmm. had to pump our water from the pump, and we had no electricity. So in that sense, you know, and during the time frame when we were at school, nobody was at home with her. Mm-hmm. And she carried on just like a, and a regular individual would. You know, Eugenia, this may come as a surprise to you, but my, my dad was also totally blind. An amazing man that when my mom went to work and us kids got sent off to school, when we got home, he had prepared a full meal for all of us, washed all the dishes and the clothes. So I understand where you're coming from uh, about your grandma. They are amazing people. You know, when they, when they lose their physical sight, something else is given to them, the ability to cope and to continue to fight on. And thank you for sharing that with us. Your, your gra- all right, your, your grandmother was a warrior woman. Uh, from what I understand, and now Eugenia, I, you, hmm? I said I agree with you. Yeah, and now Eugenia, as a teenager, you moved to Warm Springs Reservation, which is primarily the Wasco, Warm Springs, and Paiute tribes, and you and your brothers had to attend public school 
Am I pronouncing this word cor- correctly? Hawaii? Hawaii, correct. Hawaii uh, Combined School. What was that like? What What was good about it, and and what was a challenge to you? One of the challenges that I faced when I was going to the school on my reservation was the fact that um, I was fluently um, I, I was fluent in my Paiute language, and when I used to go to school, we were told we couldn't speak our language, mm. and we would we, we would either be punished for speaking our language, so it was something that they didn't want us to do, and so I was in trouble a lot because that's kind of, that's all I spoke at home. Okay, I understand that. That's the same paradigm that that many of our children, ancestors, were found and found themselves in when they were forced into boarding schools. Uh, you cannot speak your native language. And if you do, we will beat you. And a lot of those kids took beatings every day for just speaking their native language. You made it through a difficult childhood, and I would say, and now you have six children and five grandchildren, most of whom have moved away. You're living in Madras, Oregon, with your two youngest. You and your children have experienced racism and ignorance over the years about being indigenous. And I understand that, that, that your youngest daughter, Tessa, wants to be immersed in the Paiute language and culture and wants to become a warrior like her great-grandmother, who she never met. And Tessa, who is with you now, also wants to learn to sing the Shoshone flag song. Tessa is 11, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Tell us about her and... I have a question for Tessa after you tell us about her. Okay. So Tessa actually already knows the Shoshone flag song. Um, she wants to learn the other um, Shoshone songs, um, and that's basically based on there's a gal, her name's Judy Trejo, and mm-hmm. she does a lot of Shoshone songs, and she's got them recorded. So Tessa's constantly listening to that. So she learns, you know, the words and everything. So her her goal is to somewhere down the road be a, um, a rodeo court or a princess court. Hmm. And so I tell her that in order for her to be able to do some, to show her talents, that she needs to be able to, to you know, have some, some kind of talent. And these are some of the things that I've recommended for her to have, mm-hmm. you know. And so she's actually learned how to introduce, introduce herself in Paiute. And also her mom, you know. Yeah. So it's something that I told her, and then she's working on learning the Lord's Prayer in sign language. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. So, Tessa, are you there? Tessa, is she there? Okay. I am so sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Okay, is Tessa there with you? Yeah, I have Tessa here with me. Hi, Tessa. Hello. How are you? Good. I know you know the, the uh, Shoshone flag song. Would you be willing to yeah. give? Would you be willing to sing that for me? Yeah. Okay, go right ahead. Okay. Dumbie, ba, ba, ma, 
All right. Your mom has horses, right? Uh, no, but the, we have three horses. Okay. Well, you got horses, right? Uh, yeah. And you both were riding just before you went to the Black Lives Matter event. Yeah. Before we get to that event, tell us what those horses mean to you and tell us what you want to do when you grow up. Um, my horses mean to me, like, they mean the world to me because, like, if I'm having a bad day, then when I go see them, they just make my sadness or angriness just go away. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I ride horses, too. I love horses. Uh, now, tell us about what you want to do, Tessa, when you grow up. Um, I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. But you kind of got some ideas, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe some of that, and some of that, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eugenia... Just like your grand, yeah. just like your grandma raised you uh, to stand up for what is right, you've tried to teach that to your children, and you had attended the Black Lives Matter events in the past. Now, on June the twentieth, you and Tessa were riding out riding your horses when you learned that there was another Black Lives Matter in Pineville, not far from where you live. So we're getting ready to take a music break and. When we come back, we want to talk about what happened that day when you and Tessa went to Pineville. Okay? Okay. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to Indigenous Peoples Reality Media. My guest today is Eugenia Comas and her daughter Tessa. And I would like to ask you, Eugenia, would you would you do us a favor? Yes. Would you give us a prayer in Paiute? Yes, I definitely can. Okay, go right ahead. Okay, thank you so much. You know, we always like to open up with prayer. Uh, being Indian people, we are spiritual people, and I think that was uh, one of the greatest qualities that we've ever possessed that the Creator gave us. It's always honor and reverend the Creator. Now, Eugenia, when uh, your daughter Tessa attended the Black Lives Matter event in Pineville, Oregon, Eugenia, tell us why you decided to go to Pineville that day. Well, we went riding um, early in the morning, like around 10 o'clock, and um, we just we just went riding, had a regular Saturday plan, doing riding horses and doing horse things. How is like maybe 15 miles away from Pineville. In order for us to return back home, we would either go that route or we can go back through Redmond, which would, you know, is about the same distance. But Tessa and I had to pick up some hay as well for our horses. So we decided we were going to go through Pineville. But while we were riding, one of my friends mentioned that there was a rally that was or a protest that was going on downtown Pineville. So I was like, oh, really? And then so we had heard that, but we never even, we weren't really thinking about it. We were too busy riding. After we were done riding, we decided to travel through Pineville. And mm-hmm. as we were descending into Pineville, my daughter and I, I, I just asked her, well, would you like to? go to the protest or should we just drive through town and see how things are going and she was like yeah and she goes and I told her well we still have our our posters we made if we wanted to we could go stand with them you know so Mm -hmm. um, the moment we drove into Prineville um, and Prineville has a street that goes one direction and then you come the opposite direction and that's the traffic to get in and out of town so it's Mm -hmm. just a one way one way street so, um, as we were driving in, we seen, she was like, mom, did you see that? There were a bunch of bikers there holding their, you know, their weapons and their guns. Weapons, and, guns. Yeah. As we drove into town and she was like, mom, did you see that? They were holding their guns. And, you know, so she got a little freaked out the moment we drove into Prineville because she's never seen anything like that. I mean, she's never even been exposed to a gun. Mm. You know, so it was, you know, kind of, it caused her fear right from the moment. But I, um, as we drove into town, more into the middle of town where the city hall is and where the police department was, we saw all the people gathered that were for the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were right below the city hall or right in front of the city hall. And so as we drove through, we just honked the horn and waved at them. And Tessa had her little poster, and she had it hanging out to show them that we were there to support them. Mm-hmm. And then we turned back around to come the opposite way, which on the opposite side of the city hall was 
the protesters or the anti-protesters for the Black Lives Matter movement. And we continue to honk when we go back through so that we, you know, to show that we were with them, with the Black Lives Matter movement, and we were still giving them the, you know, the hands up sign, and we drove to town, and then, um, and we turned and found a parking space. The side that I ended up finding a parking space was closer to the the anti-protest mm-hmm. movement and the Trump supporters. And so, and then as we drove in, there was a lady on the corner street that was just yelling obscenities across the street, like, F you, shut up, go home, to the people across the street. And so we turned and took a right there, and we parked our vehicle, and Tess and I grabbed our posters out of the truck, and then we, we just walked across, um, across the, well, we didn't go across the street, but we walked, um, to the side where the um, anti-protesters were at. Mm-hmm. And there was some space, just enough space in there for Tessa and I to get in. So we just sat up there. We, you know, I told her, we're fine. And she was a little hesitant about coming down there, but I told her, you know, babe, no matter what, these people that are packing the guns, they're just there to cause fear, you know, to the other people. They're not going to harm us. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they do, if they do, there's other people there that will, you know, protect us. Mm-hmm. Because when we pulled in, there were a lot of police presence too. So I told her there was no no reason to fear anything. We we would be able to just stand and you know mm-hmm, hold up mm-hmm. our signs. So 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 um, this lady tried to intimidate you with a Confederate flag and was saying that you didn't have any skin in the game. Since you were not black, what That's did what, what did you say to her, and what happened next? So when um, she approached me, she asked me what we were doing there. We weren't, or she just said, "What are you doing here? You're not black." And I told her, "Well, I was there to support the Black Lives Matter movement, and that I was there also representing the murdered, missing Indigenous women as well, mm. um, as you see from my flag." because I told her that we have experienced racism, you know, whether she wants to believe it or not. But I told her, and then she told me that I needed to go across the, across the street, go on the other side, because the section that I was standing in was for the anti-protesters, mm-hmm. um, for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I told her it was a free country and that I, was gonna, that I wasn't causing any harm, so I was going to just stay where I was, because I had that right. Hmm. You know, um, I've seen a picture of um, this crazy white woman with this Confederate flag. Um, let me ask you a question, Testa. Yeah. What What were you thinking doing this whole thing, this whole experience that you went through? At first, I was really scared because I thought they were going to harm us and stuff. But... My mom was telling me that it was okay and that they couldn't do nothing to us. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of really scared. Mm-hmm. And But then, then when we moved to the other side, um, the people that they were there, they were giving me hugs and stuff, and I felt really comfortable on that side. Right, right. So what did you learn from this, Tessa? What, what do you think it will mean to you when you grow up? That 
there needs to be change and like just end like racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you 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 are willing to learn more about what is the cause of all of this, right? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Eugenia, your 21-year-old daughter deals with hostility and misinformed co-workers, correct? That's correct. Can you tell us about about that and how your other children have experienced that? Mainly my um, 21-year-old daughter, who she experiences the most because she's like three hours away from me, and she lives in Eugene, Oregon. She actually has a um, co-worker who makes comments, you know, you know, about her race. They're like surprised that she's Native American because she's really light skinned, mm-hmm. but she tells them that she's Native American. And, and there's a lot of those that, you know, um, that appreciate her, but there's one individual there that continually makes comments to her about, you know, about Native Americans. And um, I think there was one time where she um, walked out because she couldn't deal with it anymore. But um, she actually spoke to her supervisor or her boss, and they really tried to keep him from making his comments. And, you know, but he says he's not directing it at her, you know, but he'll make, he like talks to himself, saying things in, in a negative way so that she still can hear it, but she said that one time her boss just got after and told him that he needed to leave and told him he had the rest of the day off because she, and, um, she just didn't put up with it and sent him home. You know, she does have some type of support there for her. Well, she sounds like a good woman with uh, good intentions. However, you know, we've had to deal with this, this whole racist thing from, Europeans for over 500 years of our history with them. Um, Eugenia, we want to know that even though you may not consider yourself brave for what you did that day, have you given your children, your six children and five grandchildren, something that is of great value? Tell us about what you did that day and also tell us, you know, about your children and grandchildren, what do you think you're going to leave with them? I, I know for a fact that I've raised my children to be, to be strong and to speak up for themselves when they consider things that aren't right. And I think in many situations, I've, you know, I've kind of put myself out there and they joke about the fact that sometimes mom just kind of takes over situations or scenarios and areas where I might not be the main person, but somehow I always get involved mm-hmm. and end up forefront. And so my children recognize that and they acknowledge that and they don't ever try to tell mom to be any different. And when they voice themselves and I see, you know, comments that they make or how they present themselves, I know that I've raised them well because they're not one to back down either. You know, especially when they see something that's wrong. Absolutely. And I, and I hope to leave to them, you know, my voice of, 
knowing that we're not forgotten. We're not forgotten people, that we're still here. And as long as we're still here, mm-hmm. we need to gather all the things, the tools and the education that we can so that we can stand up for ourselves and be heard. And that's my hope for my six children and my five grandchildren. Well, you know, we know that um, the situation with uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women is something you hold very close to your heart, as I do. What are your feelings on that? I feel like that they need to make it more, you know, more. we need a bigger support system. I know that um, that things have been signed by um, Trump in office that I apparently missed. And I have a, um, I have a little, um, so my daughter does a program with the lady who lives in between Prindle here, Prindle and Madras. And it's about a 20, 25 mile difference. So she lives in, you know, lives closer to Crook County or Prineville than anything. And her husband used to be an officer for their different, or for a Crook County Police Department or Jefferson County Police Department, but he's now retired. But I've seen some of his comments that come through on Facebook, and I know that they're real big Trump supporters. So, you know, seeing... Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I totally lost my train of thought there and the question. That's okay. You were, talk- you were that. talking about the, the police officer on Facebook. Yeah. But um, but what was the question? I was just like, sorry. Um, we were talking about the missing and murdered indigenous women. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for um, correcting. Um, That's okay. Putting me take, on the right path there. Take your time. Do say what you got to say. Okay. So um, the gal, my daughter is doing a program through her, and. Um, when we first started the program, she actually um, she actually had a Trump flag flying and her American flag flying when we went to her property. And so I know that they're pretty big Trump supporters. And um, so she's always like giving me like political political information or like kind of like trying to correct me like you know he's actually doing something for the murdered missing indigenous women so she the other day she sent me a post that said that he signed into in his office he signed some kind of um um document stating that they're going to have somebody specifically set aside to help with recognition of that and start creating you know a group to work with um curbing all the missing and murdered indigenous women so, you know, she kind of brings politics into things that, you know, mm-hmm. my daughter and I are there to do a program with her, with the, um, the Bureau of Land Management Mustang mm-hmm. that my daughter's, um, she's training these, she has her own little horse that she's training. And she kind of puts it out there, you know, to talk about stuff that aren't, you know, it's not a place or a time for that, but she's always making a point to, point out these statements, you know, and like, no, you're wrong about Trump. You know, he does support the missing murdered indigenous women. I believe that we need more than that. Well, let me ask you this. 
you know, I don't mean to cut across you. Who is this woman? Um, she is um, a horse trainer, a sharpshooter. Uh-huh. Um, she's pretty well known, and she runs the Bureau of Land Management um, training facility, and she has horses that she brings onto her property. And any any child between, I think, the age of nine through eighteen can be a part of this program and Tessa took advantage of it this year and um, you know we've learned a lot of stuff about her that and I think vice versa mm-hmm. that and I never back down on things that that she has to say good you for know, you I know good for husband, you yeah like her husband he's you know when the second protest happened in Pineville um, he was like, well, we'll be there. Um, we'll be there packing. We're not going to let these rioters or people destroy our property. And mm-hmm. I told him, first of all, I made a comment back to him. And I said, first of all, these people are peaceful protesters. They're not packing any weapons. And I know this for a fact because I was part of the Black Lives Matter movement in Madras. And none of the individuals were packing guns. They're not out there destruct, being destructive or rioting. So I don't know where you're getting your information, and he never responded. But now we have kind of a crazy, um, you know, feeling when we go there. It's not not so friendly when we go there to go check on her horse. And luckily, we're not going to have to deal with that anymore um, here soon because we're planning on taking that horse from her property and bringing it to Madras instead of having to go to her property. Mm. So let me ask you another question. I'm always asking questions. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this racist, uh, orange-colored man in the White House? I honestly don't support him at all. I've never referred to him as President Trump. I refer to him as Trump just because of the fact that I don't support a man who continually, continually encourages hate and um, police brutality mm-hmm. and doesn't recognize the minority people, you right. know, because it's almost as though when they ask us to, you know, fly the flag, I feel like anymore that it's not even the American flag that we're, that he's referencing to. He seems like he's a person that's more of a Confederate flag flyer, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, let me, do you feel, you and your daughter, do you all feel threatened by these people out there, or what? You know, honestly, um, because we are a small community, Madras is like about 20-something miles from Pineville, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I, you know, I feel like sometimes I have to make sure I drive around a few times before I come home just because it's myself and my, my two girls and my son who live here. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I feel like sometimes I have to kind of protect myself because I worry about the fact that what if they come back, you know, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me to be vengeful. Um, so yeah, I do feel a little bit uneasy about that because, you know, I have some people who have, like, said, oh, hi, you're the star of social media now, and that, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't intend for that, but 
it just kind of flew off and it was pretty overwhelming response for, from a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people who haven't locally said, you know, you're doing a good thing, but there's other people who have just praised and said, you know, thank you for standing up for us and having that voice and being strong like that. I do. So it's kind of a... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are there no, many? Uh, are there are there many black people that live out that way? Um, in our community, there is not. I oh. mean, there's um a few, but I think probably like maybe I'm almost thinking maybe two to three families that I know of, mm-hmm. and I know during that um, protest in Pineville that there was a black officer who came and approached me when I was standing on the opposite side. And mm-hmm. he asked me if I was doing okay and what I was doing. And I just told him, you know, I'm just here um, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm okay. And he's like, okay. And he kind of stood behind the area, like up, up against the building that I was standing in front of. He just stood there throughout the, the time frame that I was there. And hopefully, and, hopefully he was he was there uh, under his own volition to uh, make sure that nothing happened to you and your children. Did you feel that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt that, but there were a lot of officers there. But he was one of the main ones that kind of stood closer to where Tessa and I were. Well, you know, we have a, a very long history, a very long favorable history with black people. Uh, since they were brought here against their own will uh, as an enslaved. You know, we've always had a great relationship with black people. And I think that's just part of our DNA, you know, because when we stand on a scale of sides, one side's black and one side's white, no way in the world could we, we be white with uh, what they've done to us throughout our history. And we also gave them a lot of help and assistance when they were running away from the plantations and the slavers. So there's a there's a bond between black people and Indian people that goes so far back that, you know, there's really a very long history. What do you believe about that? I believe that that is true. And that's the other thing that I'm that I would really like to see change is how, you know, I, I'm not sure where I read it or where I've seen it, but um, I was doing some research and I came across the thing where it said Native Americans had child, had also been like um, slave owners. And I thought to myself, well, that's really crazy because I don't, the black people got more rights. They got their rights given to them a lot sooner than the Native Americans, a right to vote, a right to become a citizen, although it was our land. And I feel like the the schools need to work on updating their information so that the children are actually, our, our children, the Native American children, and including the white students, need to be taught the truth, not, not some false information. And I really believe strongly in that. And that's something I hope that some, you know, something that we can work into the, work into the system here so that we're getting fed truth instead of lies. 
You know, I, I, I can't agree with you more. And uh, not only do they need to give us, give our children, the ones that come behind us, the true facts about the relationship between blacks and Indians, but they need to include more true history about our people. That's correct. You know, uh, I'm tired of every time, you know, you talk to a kid out here where we're from because we're it's a lot of black people out here and white people and Indians out here but whenever you you ask children out here well what did you learn in school about Indians the first thing that comes out of their mouths is oh Pocahontas Pocahontas uh-huh. uh, did you know that that was not her name well what was her name Matoka Matoka I said oh really they said yeah he says, well, why was she so, so important? I said, because she was the daughter of Wahoom Shanakawa. Well, who was he? He was the chief of the Powhatan Confederacy, which were a bunch of tribes that came together in the Virginias for their own protection. And uh, John Smith and his men actually kidnapped her because throughout different battles that they have had between uh, these European explorers and Indians, we captured a lot of their their men, and there was supposed to be um, they wanted their men back. So they you know the chief of the of the Powhatan Confederacy. Okay, we're going to strike up a deal. Okay, uh, well, what do you have to offer us if we give him your men back? By that time, they had already kidnapped. Matoka, and they held her out on one of the ships. So the deal was, you return my daughter, and I'll give you your men back. Well, as it always plays out, we kept our end of the bargain, but they never returned Matoka. Um, and the chief of that tribe, Wahunushinakawa, actually died from a broken heart because his little teenage daughter was taken and never to see her again before he closed his eyes. The truth about everything that has happened in these so-called United States that is written by white people is basically a lie. And we need to go back and talk to our elders and find out, you know, what really happened out there in Paiute territory, what really happened out there in Shoshone territory, and start putting forth those troops to our children so they'll know how to fight back when they're told a lie. What do you think? I agree with you. I truly agree with you. And we need more people to stand up for us and to make their voices heard, just as the, the Latinos are doing and just as the black people are doing. I believe, you know, that no matter what, just, just because we were shut down on Standing Rock and things didn't go our way, that we should never give up, that we should keep continuing the fight to be heard. You're right. And, you know, I, you know, one of the amazing things that my eyes saw beginning of these uh, uh, Black Lives Matter protests over the uh, murder of uh, George Floyd is how many young white people are out there marching with black people for the cause. However... My caution is that if you want to really be truthful about it, 
the reason you got so many young white people out there marching with black people in this cause is because when school desegregation came to an end back in the 1950s, little black children, little white children, little native children, Asian children started going to school together. And they were beginning to see, well, wait a minute. Uh, that little black boy is not bad. He's cool. I like him. And vice versa. And children start to talk to each other on their own. And they begin to see each other's hearts. And whenever you get, you know, grown folks in it, children are not born racist. They're taught racism. And I think what has come out of this whole school desegregation thing is that generations have gone by and people have melted together in ideologies, some intermarried with, uh, with, with people of other races, and they're now, now friends and allies and brothers and sisters. And that's what we see today in the Black Lives Matter protests. But what about Native Lives Matter? You know, there's so many people out here that, that, that call themselves white. But when you really get into their DNA, you find that there's a whole lot of other stuff in there, too, like black, native, Asian. Exactly. Go ahead. I said exactly that. that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you have on your mind that you would like to discuss today? before I get to my next question. My hope is one of the other things that I would really like to see is our registered voters who are 18 and over to count to, to come out and vote. That's kind of really important. And it's really disheartening when I see, you know, my own native people who turn and say that they're Trump supporters and that they feel like we're privileged when, in the sense, we are not, you know. I feel like some of the things that we've been given, like, you know, the reservation, yeah, we've been given a reservation and the homes that might, you know, come with it might not be, you know, something you have to pay for, but there's some people that need to take advantage of that. And to call them privileged because they have those services is not okay when it's coming from your own people saying these things. I yeah. think they're so wrong because I feel like they're whitewashed. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And don't I forget the, don't forget where we came from and who we are, and who yes, exactly. and who and who died for us to be here today. And you know these reservations were really nothing but concentration camps uh, set up by. Before, before it became a part, before Indians became uh, governed, I'd say, by the uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIA, uh, they were under the War Department. Now, we are not wards. We may be poor, but we're not wards of the state. The uh, United yeah. States government has not lived up to any of the 600-plus treaties that, that we've had. They have all been abrogated by the white government, but our people have always kept their end of the bargain. What will you tell Tessa? I will, I will keep continuing to teach her that she needs to stand up for these things. I mean, Tessa and I do a lot of research together, and she's my youngest, but I also see my, my, second, my second 
youngest, which is Ashley, you know, I try to teach her that, you know, that she needs to stand up for the movement as well. And including, and it's not just about the Black Lives Matter, but it's about all of us, all the minorities. You know, we have to have a voice in everything. And, you know, we still, even to this day, um, you know, deal with privilege. I mean, it happens in sporting, sporting events, you know, mm-hmm. who gets to mm-hmm. be where and everything, you know what I mean? It doesn't really change. And so I tell her, you have to work even harder to prove yourself to the people so that they will recognize you for your skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's really important to me. And I will continue to teach my children and my grandchildren. And that's part of the things that I'm trying to do now is work with them and like give them sentences for them to learn. Mm -hmm. So listen. To never forget the language. Let's take a quick music break and come back. Welcome back to the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truths, Indigenous Peoples Reality Media. My guest is my, my Shoshone Paiute sister today, Eugenia, and her daughter Tessa. Eugenia, I want to ask you, ask your permission uh, for me to pack up some books that I have here on Native history and, and other things. I would like to send them to you for you and your girls. Um, would that be okay? Yes, that would be okay. okay. We would love that. Not a problem. But I, I, just, okay. heard, I just heard so much in, uh, in your heart when you spoke and so much in, in Tessa's young heart and her mind that's, that's grasping for information. And I would like to, you know, do whatever I can to help uh, you with that. So. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Now let's, um, let's get to one more thought. We have been a people that have been pushed down, kicked around, stepped on, oppressed, murdered, genocidal practices, and the list goes on and on, all the way down the street and around the corner. After all of this, we still rise and we still survive. You have six children that you raised, and now you have these lovely grandchildren. What is it that, that, that we can do as Indian people to try to re-educate our people that are so stuck on stupid behind following that red, white, and blue flag and the, uh, the idiots that have forced all of this racism on all of us, not just Indians, but everybody else. What can we do to make things better for our children? I think by educating our children about, about what really, what's really the truth, not just what's written by the white men, um, I believe that we should have some type of program um, 
you know, that kids can be involved in and participate in. I mean, we have to immerse them in, you know, the truth and get them educated so that they can stand, stand up for themselves and that, you know, because the only way that we're going to do that is with education. That's how I feel. I honestly think that's the most important thing because if you don't know or don't know how to read, you're not, they're going to, they can easily pass things over us. You have to dig in deep and find out truth. You know, they have, mm-hmm. there's ways that they can loophole certain things for the system. And you have to be well educated to be able to recognize that. Never a truer statement made. So I want to thank you, Eugenia and Tessa, for sharing your time with us today. And will you come back again if we ask you to? We both definitely would do that. Okay, great. Thank you again. I'm Jay Winter Nightwolf. This has been another episode of Indigenous Peoples Reality Media. You can follow us by going to Nightwolf Productions and I-G-H-T-W-L-F-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S NightwolfProductions.media M-E-D-I-A To listen to our latest podcast episodes and if that's hard to remember just go to NightwolfProductions.com I'm Jay Winter Nightwolf and I'll say to all of you Danada Goa'i Wado and thank you so much Tessa and Eugenia to live in peace with the Indian, he can live in peace. There need be no trouble. Treat all men alike. Give them all the same law. Give them all an even chance to live and grow. You might as well expect the rivers to run backward as that any man who was born a free man should be contented when penned up and denied liberty to go where he pleases. We only ask an even chance to live as other men live. We ask to be recognized as men. Let me be a free man, free to travel, free to stop, free to work, free to choose my own teachers, free to follow the religion of my fathers, free to think and talk and act for myself.